Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris, and today our passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'll read our scripture, and then we'll get into it. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the sage? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Really great passage on just kind of the upside-down nature of our experience here on earth as Christians. Uh, I love this passage passage specifically uh, just because it kind of juxtaposes the, the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of God, and while so many people put their, you know, um, apples maybe all in one cart. I don't know if that's the best analogy to use here, but we all tend to lean on um, what we think we know and what we think we understand about the world only to later be proven wrong. Uh, and it just goes to show that the wisdom of God is much more powerful than the wisdom of man. And sometimes I think we, we don't realize the what type of wisdom is uh, God is, is speaking about here, which is something I think we should bring up once we get to it. So let's start back at our beginning verse in, in verse 18 and, um, and draw some things out. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. Uh, if you know me, I'm a really big, uh, I spend too much time on YouTube. And I particularly have, I have several people I, you know, I guess subscribe to, follow on, on YouTube. And, and several of those people are, uh, atheists and atheist uh, content creators, and and so I listen to them uh, pretty frequently. And one of the, uh, you know, I guess it's a way that they bring in viewers. They're going to talk about things that are that they believe are incongruent or wrong about Christianity, and and a lot of those times it's really formal arguments and and really you know um, creative ways of, of tackling that kind of topic. But I think one aspect of Christianity that I hear um, talked about as if it is the, you know, the the final blow to Christian uh, belief and thought is, is the cross. Eventually, discussion is going to come to the cross. And it, I guess it ties into several different things, but the, the point of the, the real argument is uh, that that is such a disgusting thing for God to do, that he would uh, put his son up on a cross. What type of father would do that? Another kind of complaint against uh, the cross is that um, 
they'll even kind of poke at Jesus, no pun intended, in, in saying that, um, you know, just because, you know, because Christ is God and, um, you know, they'll kind of throw out everything that humanity-wise that has to do with, with Jesus, like his temptations and things like that. But especially when it comes to the cross, they're going to say, well, because Christ was God, what's the big deal about him going to the cross? Because as soon as he is dead and when he's risen, he's going to become Lord. Man, if we all knew that we were just going to be raised in three days and become um, Lord over all creation, that's not that. That's a pretty uh, <laughs> pretty good reward for what has to be endured. Yeah, you're going to be beaten. Yeah, you're going to be put up on a cross, but uh, you're going to become Lord afterwards. So see, it's not really a big deal that Jesus has done that. Our position now as Christians is uh, a response to it, and and that's not what I'll get into in this video. But but that's just to kind of put up how how the cross really does seem foolish to a lot of people who are not being, as this verse talks about, are not being saved. That saved word is a, is a divine passive. And so it's to say, you know, God is saving these people, this certain group of people who are now able to look at the cross and not see the foolishness behind it, but see it as the power of God, God actually acting in, in history. And so I think that's always that's what always comes to mind when when I read that verse. Um, if we come down to verse nineteen and, and twenty, uh, you get the whole God is destroying the wisdom of man, and he he quotes uh, an Old Testament passage here. Let me pull it up. I had it here for a second uh, from Isaiah twenty nine fourteen. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. And so Paul, in quoting that Old Testament scripture, is now going to bring his own his own twist to it, and, and try and call out the wisdom of this age. Who is wise? Where's the scri scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And maybe some people read this and say, no, God hasn't done that. There's actually real wisdom and knowledge in the world, and and I would uh, I would beg to differ. Um, I, again, I'm going to maybe go off on a rabbit trail here, but this is not the intent. It's just to illustrate Um we had about two years ago, maybe maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, the scientific community came forward and said, hey, we know we've been saying that um, originally the, the galaxy, the, the universe was 14 billion years old. Well, now we've come down and, and we've said it's 13 billion. Maybe that was about five years ago. I think that's what it was said, no, it's not 14 billion, it's 13 billion. Well, then they came back a year or two ago and said, nope, it's it's not 13 billion, it's actually 11 billion. And I always thought that was so fascinating. And, and you know, when that information comes out, what's really great about the scientific community is that when new information is presented, they're really willing to change their mind. They say, oh, yep, throw all that stuff out. This is what it, this is actual truth. That's a really good mindset to have. But it also just goes to show that it's not, uh, it, it's an it's a different type of wisdom in the sense that it can always be changing and it still be okay and it be right. What's really interesting about God's wisdom is that it, it's truth, it's eternal, it's objective, and, and there's no changing about it because it is God. It is God's nature, and God's nature is unchanging. So we look at the wisdom of the world, how God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish, 
it's because man's wisdom is so fleeting. It's um, so particular. It's it's microscopic uh, to what is actually out here in the universe. To to God's expansive vision, ours is you know we're looking through a um, a pinhole trying to to decipher the mysteries of the world. Um, and, and when you get down here into verse twenty two through twenty five, he he brings his argument to. This isn't concluded in chapter one, but this section of the argument is. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Um, we understand how the message of Christ is a stumbling block to Jews. Paul really addresses that in, in the book of Romans, chapters 9 through 11. Well, maybe even before that, but really 9 through 11 in Romans, how it is a stumbling block. Uh, and it's foolishness to Gentiles. I mean, we think about the Greco-Roman culture and their ideas of uh, godhood and interaction between man and God, and it does not match up at all. Uh, it, it really just does seem peculiar, and maybe that has best um, correlation to, to kind of the atheist YouTubers I listen to. Christianity just does seem foolish. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the power of wisdom, and the wisdom of God. So it's really interesting here. We, we really do have a lot of language of, a, of what it means to be called by God. I recently took a class on spiritual formation, and one of the big aspects of that class, we spent the first four to five weeks on it, was what does a call look like? What does God call God's call look like and, and how can we affirm that in our lives because there is scriptural basis for it and there is the aspect of God coming to the individual but there also is the um, congregational confirmation of one who is called um, not just to a pastoral office but just as a member of God's family and, and those things can be recognized in a person by the way that they live uh, by the spirits that they bring forward in their new Christ-filled life. And so um, I, I don't think we should read either verse 18 or 24 here as a, a predestination-type text, um, although there is some truth to that in Scripture. There's a really fine balance between um, sovereignty and responsibility. The individual's, the individual's responsibility to respond to the sovereign call of God. There's a mix there. There really is, even in Paul's language. Here in 18, or in verse 24, don't read that as purely like a, a Calvinistic reading. You don't have to do that. There's actually a lot of deep things going on here. But this call to both Jews and Greeks, you know, he called them both out just in the previous verse. Hey, Jews are going to be stumbled by this, or are going to stumble because of this. It's going to look like foolishness to Gentiles. But hey, those same people, there are people within those groups of people that God's calling, and they have this ability to respond to this call because they see this message as a power of God and the power and the wisdom of God. Um, so I think that's always something to pay attention to there. In verse 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Our God's power and wisdom is 
so far beyond what we're presented in our day-to-day lives. Uh, Because we are a society where information is just constantly being thrown at us, we can sometimes sit back and say, man, it's all been figured out. Uh, There are no more questions to ask. There's nothing left to be discovered. And so that's why, man, you know, we're we're going to space now. You know, we're really looking towards uh, our SpaceX program and things like that. You know, we're always, oh, here are where our questions are. This is where answers can be found. We're always trying to go to the to the depths of the world and the in the vast reaches of our universe, thinking that that's where we're going to find answers for things. Uh, but that's not where God points us to. God always just points us to Him. Yes, His creation can point to Him, but it's not going to actually reveal the truth. That truth is revealed in Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's who Christ is. He is the actual display of God's power and God's wisdom. So, if I can encourage you to do anything today, it's to lay off social media, it's to lay off news articles, and it's just go to Scripture. Find God's revealed Word, look into it, and see what He has to tell you today. Hope you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.